Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In His wisdom and understanding, God has elected to reveal Himself and His plan, not by way of miraculous appearances from the heavens or by supernatural manifestations, but rather by speaking his speaking is contained in His Word, the Bible, and if we are attuned to hear, His speaking is as fresh today as it was when He first spoke to His people from the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, as it is called in Leviticus. We're in store for more of that fresh speaking today, and Ron Kangas has returned to be with us. We've missed you, and welcome back. I missed you also and thought of you from time to time and was happy to know that the brothers were fellowshipping on the offerings in Leviticus. But it's time to fulfill my part in this uh, kind of blending or corporate fellowship. So I'm happy to participate in a, a new line of ministry from the Life Study. In the way of review, we've seen already that there are five basic offerings in Leviticus, and we've had a wonderful, and I would say quite thorough look really at the first two, the burnt offering and the meal offering. Today, we have our only program on the third of these five, the peace offering. But before we get to the aspects of the peace offering, let's talk about the sequence in which these offerings are presented in Leviticus. The order's very meaningful, isn't it? Yes. After all, this is the sequence of the divine revelation, and we do well to consider before the Lord, why do we have this sequence? And I feel for the present fellowship on the peace offering, it's best to be simple and very focused. In order to have peace, certain problems need to be solved and certain needs need to be fulfilled. And the first and most serious problem is that as fallen human beings, we are not for God. So how can we have peace if we're not for the very God who created us? Mm -hmm. But Christ was and is and always will be absolutely for God, and we may be identified with him as the burnt offering, and this solves the problem of not being for God. So we have Christ as our absoluteness. Then with the meal offering, we have the problem of our corrupted humanity and, in a sense, an even deeper problem of a total lack of the life supply. Meal offering really equals life supply. So Christ, as typified by the fine flour in his humanity and the oil in his divinity, is the meal offering, and he solves the problem and meets the need. He solves the problem of our corrupted humanity, 
and he meets the need that we have for food. If we are dissatisfied due to hunger, due to the lack of the life supply, we cannot have peace. There will be some kind of dissatisfaction, some unrest in our being. But now that we have Christ as the burnt offering and Christ as the meal offering, we have in our experience the basis to experience Christ as our peace offering. Simply stated, when we experience and enjoy Christ as the burnt offering and as the meal offering, there's joy within, there's satisfaction within, there's peace. This is the significance of the sequence. First the burnt offering, then the meal offering, then the issue of our application of Christ in these two aspects. The issue is peace. We're going to come back to that, Ron, a little bit later in the program. In this first portion, we're going to come back to something that Witness Lee brought up in our very first life study message from Leviticus, and that is related to a principle of this book, and that is that more than anything else, Leviticus is meaningful to us because it is the first instance of God speaking to his people from the tent of meeting. This means that God was speaking no more from the heavens apart and detached from man, or even in the mountain as he spoke to Moses uh, when he gave him the commandments. But now he is in and among his people, and it's from this context that he speaks. Before he gets into the peace offering per se, he wants to come back to this thought. Let's join him for it. This is very enjoyable, very enlightening. Before we would uh, look into all the lines, I'd like to uh, have a little free uh, <clears throat> fellowship with you. Uh, this means I would ask you to think about when these words were being spoken by the Lord in a little tent. That little tent is just about 10 cubit by 30 cubit. Very small. Very, very small. And in the wilderness, apart from all the people, at that time, millions of other peoples, they were working, busy, in so many other things, in great things. Some might be building there a big, great city. Yet, the very God who created the universe came into a little tent. Just a little tent in the wilderness. It was there that Jehovah, the triumph God, was speaking. And you have to realize whatever he spoke there was for eternity. That little tent of meeting through God's wonderful speaking will gradually issue in what you know in the New Jerusalem. Every aspect concerning Christ and concerning our enjoyment of Christ in togetherness with God will be fulfilled there in the New Jerusalem. There in New Jerusalem, surely we will realize how our Lord is the burnt offering and his meal offering, our daily food. And he is also our peace offering. 
and Sinar and Cheshmat, wave offering and heave offering, all kinds of offerings. Not only so, all kinds of offerings will bring in or issue in the new Jerusalem. Isn't this wonderful? All the people today are busy, busy. We are just here talking about something not so important to their eyes. Your friend may ask you, what are you going? What are you going to do? What would you tell them? To listen to speaking by an old Chinese. <laughs> talking about the uh, burn offering. What? Burn offering? Yes. Meal offering. What? Meal offering? Yes. What else? Peace or peace? Is that United Nations talking about peace? <laughs> what are you talking about there? Yet, you have to know, we are just talking about one little book, Leviticus, which is one of the 66 of the big Bible. Amen. My, the big Bible. But nearly no one knows that in this big Bible there are these small things. Have you realized that this is wonderful. Marvelous. It's wonderful. Isn't this wonderful? Ron, this uh, section may seem a little off point, but it touched me very much. Uh, this little free fellowship, as he called it, really puts these Leviticus messages into a very meaningful context with all of the events going on today in the world. There's a lot of things that Christians can be talking about, but still, in a small and hidden way, God is speaking even today out of the tent of meeting. Why should we, Ron, why should believers be drawn into such a speaking on these things? I would say we should be drawn to such a speaking because we care for the desire of the Lord's heart. And I have something, Chris, I'd like to fellowship here, I would say quite forthrightly. Uh, let's just suppose that we had a choice of being present at two scenes where God was speaking. One is on Mount Sinai mm -hmm. with uh, all the atmospheric conditions that went with it and the drama, we might say, right. the spectacle, right. we might add. That's one scene. The other is a speaking in this little tent called the Tent of Meeting. Sorry to say, and this is my personal observation based upon study, many believers today care for spectacular things and so-called miraculous manifestations of God's awesome power and majesty. But relatively few follow the New Testament principle of incarnation to appreciate God's speaking to his people in the tent of meeting, in the church as God's dwelling place, in the designated place for gathering to meet with God and to meet with one another in the Lord's presence. So even today, believers, largely due to immaturity, and lack of spiritual understanding, are easily attracted to spectacles. Some even enjoy being entertained, amused, excited. But to hear God speak about offerings in a tent 
that does not appeal to that many. In order to be attracted, or to use your word, Chris, drawn to such a speaking, we need to receive the Lord's mercy and grace to care not for outward displays, but to care for what is on the Lord's heart. And if we receive the mercy and grace to care for the desire of the Lord's heart, then we will be drawn, attracted to the tent of meeting to hear him speak about what really matters to him. And may I add the principle of this ministry and of all of these programs with the speaking, the continual speaking, is the speaking from the tent of meeting. Well, Ron, uh, we've experienced, I think, this little tent in our presence uh, on a number of occasions in these broadcasts, and I cherish them very much. I uh, trust the Lord will grant us such a portion today. We need to come to this matter now that really is the topic of our program primarily, and that's the peace offering. Let me read a couple of verses, if I could, out of chapter 3, and then we'll get back to Witness Lee for his portion. This is uh, verses 1 and 2 and 3. And if his offering is a sacrifice of peace offerings, if he presents it from the herd, whether male or female, he shall present it without blemish before Jehovah, and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood on and around the altar, and he shall present from the sacrifice of peace offerings and offering by fire to Jehovah. All of these points are full of meaning, and they point to our dear Lord Jesus. Let's join Witness Lee. The peace offering is an issue of the enjoyment of God and man in the meal offering. This is why, first you have the burnt offering as a base, then you have the meal offering as an issue, then it comes out the very peace offering. This is not a doctrinal matter. This must be something experiential. If you are going to enjoy Christ, not in doctrine way, but in a very practical daily way, as peace, you must firstly pick him as your burn offering to God and feed on him, eat him as your daily food. Offer him to God as your burn offering and take him to yourself as your daily food. Then this very Christ right away becomes your peace offering. You look back to the experience. In the past years, if you do mean business with the Lord, didn't you every day taking Christ as your burnt offering and taking Christ as your daily food and enjoy Him as peace? Every morning, even just 10 minutes, you were taking Christ as your burnt offering. Let me check you there saying, in the past, didn't you enjoy Christ? So say you brought him to God the Father. What was that? That was you present the very Christ to God. To make God so happy to please God. And he was really pleased. You know what is this? What is this? This is to present Christ to God as the burden offering. Right in the morning after this, you will say, Oh, Lord, how good. You are my daily supply. Without you, Lord, I just cannot live. I cannot live, Lord. 
you are my daily supply. What is this? You tell me, what is this? This is teaching what? Christ as the meal offering. The life supply. Right away, within that 10 minutes, after you would do these two things, within you, what a peace. What a peace. What a kind of enjoyment. Then what is this? This is enjoyment of Christ as the peace offering. And you have the sense that something within you is so joyful. You have the sense also you are very okay with God. Before the minutes, you did have something that was not so good in your feeling with God. Right. Something just not so so fitting yet. Right? But after these ten minutes, you feel this. You are quite okay with God. There's no problem. What is this? This is peace. This is marvelous fellowship, Ron. Uh, So experiential. The very term peace offering implies something much more experiential than doctrinal, doesn't it? Uh, Certainly it does. Who would be satisfied with a doctrine of peace while you yourself are dissatisfied and anxious and fearful? What's the good of having a theology of peace? We either have peace in our being or we don't. And the whole thrust of our brother's ministry concerning the peace offering on this occasion is that we experience Christ as our peace, as the issue of experiencing Christ as our absoluteness, Mm -hmm. the burnt offering, and of experiencing Christ as our life supply, the meal offering. And in our opening fellowship, we commented on that. We need not repeat We would just say that the peace here is Christ himself pervading our being and constituting us with himself as peace. To develop this very briefly, the offering priests could partake of two parts of the peace offering. One was the breast that was waved before the Lord as a wave offering. And the other was the thigh that was heaved up to the Lord as a heave offering. And the wave offering signifies resurrection. And eating of the breast is to partake of Christ's love in his resurrection life. And the thigh indicates, uh, signifies the strength to stand in Christ's ascension. So we may partake of these aspects of the peace offering then peace is not something merely on the surface of our being. Peace becomes the constituent of our inner being. And in this peace, we have Christ as our love, and we have Christ as our strength to stand, as the word says, having done all to stand. All of this, Chris, is not theology, not doctrine, but genuine spiritual experience in the divine life. You know, in fact, Ron, I think nearly every born-again lover of the Lord Jesus has experienced him as their peace and their peace offering, perhaps or probably not even, with uh, the knowledge to use that terminology. But nonetheless, this is very real to all of us in Christ, isn't it? Yes, but in, in honesty, I need to say that the experience of most of us is rather elementary and somewhat on the surface. We don't despise that. 
that's the place to begin, but we shouldn't stay there. That we're justified by grace, the blood has been shed for us, so we have peace toward God. That's peace in our consciousness, in our relationship with the Lord. It's most precious. I was just adding that the fact that we can eat the peace offering indicates that we are constituted with it Mm. and become a constitution of peace, even peacemakers, right? Right. Those who preach the gospel of peace. We have a constituted being of peace. I mention this to indicate how much is ahead of us in the way of experience and enjoyment of Christ as the peace offering. Ron, there are two more short but marvelous points that I'd like to touch today. We only have a couple of minutes left. Let me read verse 2 again and then ask you to comment on these two aspects. Verse 2 says, And he shall lay his hands on the head of his offering and slaughter it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood on and around the altar. The two points are on, obviously, first, the laying on of the hands of the offer upon the offering, what that indicates, signifies. And second, this matter that the priests would sprinkle the blood around the altar here, that means in full view of the offerer, uh, not just the blood being taken into the Holy of Holies, as we've seen on other occasions. The laying on of hands signifies identification, which goes in two directions. We are identified with Christ. The first direction is that he has become what we are to make redemption for us. And the other is that we partake of what he is and become what he is as the peace offering at least in that aspect of the peace offering that's applicable to us. So we have identification. But we have this basic problem, a huge problem of sins, transgressions, failures, iniquities, lawlessnesses. How can we have peace with God without a demonstration to the eyes of faith that the redeeming blood of Christ, the propitiating blood of Christ, has been shed for us. So we thank the Lord that the blood was brought into the Holy of Holies for God's satisfaction. The blood answers Satan's accusations for his defeat. But our conscience also needs to be at rest. And the blood sprinkled on the altar in full view of the offerer was for the peace in the offerer's conscience. Mm. So we need this. We need through the eyes of faith to see that the blood has been shed on the cross. Our sins have been forgiven. As Paul said, we are justified in his blood. And being justified, we have peace with God. So on the one hand, we are identified with him experiencing him in a deeper way. On the other hand, we may have peace based upon the shed blood of Jesus, the Son of God. Mm. What a marvelous uh, portrait of the precious Lord that we have that cares uh, so much. Christ satisfied all of God's righteous demands and needs in the Holy of Holies. But God also provides for us that we could have and experience such peace in our own conscience. It's a wonderful picture. A wonderful picture worthy of our study, our seeking, our prayer, 
and our experience. Amen. We would uh, hope to have you with us each day as we carry on in this life study journey through the book of Leviticus and these marvelous pictures and types coming to life and coming much more clearly into view day by day. Let me just quickly give you our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.